Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's Word together. On in this, uh, this series that we're, we're talking, we're calling The Thread of Love, uh, we're, we're just kind of hitting the wave tops of God's redemptive story in the Bible, His faithfulness through the generations, through the thousands of years of history that we have. God has condescended mankind for the purpose of salvation, for the purpose of redemption. He loves His children. He's calling us out. He's calling us. If, you're, if you call yourself a Jesus follower today, He's calling you deeper today. And so my hope as we talk through, we're going to talk through some theology here. We're going to have fun with the Bible. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to back up from our, our text in Genesis 12. We're going to go back to Genesis 11 for just a bit. Um, but my hope is that, it, it, not just that we would get head knowledge, but the Holy Spirit would really speak to us this morning and, and that you would be encouraged and you would walk out of here and you would walk out of here knowing that God has us. Nothing surprises King Jesus. He is still working very active in our lives. And, and, that, and that's part of the reason why I shared that testimony with you is because regardless of circumstance, I'm going to get up here and I'm going to worship him by bringing you to the word. Or as my, my good friend Jeremiah says, swinging the sword. So I'm going to swing the sword this morning. Uh, so today's passage is, is the final, really the final of three chapters in, in it, it, that give us insight into a, a big chasm in history, right? We have, we have the pre-flood world that I'm sure was bonkers. I wish we had more history on it, but I'm sure it was crazy. Uh, my Bible tells me that there were giants running around the land. There were giant kings in the land, and it was wild. And I, I can't, the Bible doesn't tell this, 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 but I think there was greater technology in the land. I think they had a better understanding of the world around them and they could they understood the physics better than we do today. But that's where we're at today is that, is that really the final this is the link between the pre-flood world and 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 now God's redemptive story on from Abraham to to the nation of Israel and then which would bring forth the Messiah our king king Jesus which he died he was dead for 3 days really dead but then he was really alive. And he's alive today and he's seated on the throne. And I believe he's coming back very, very soon. That's why I really believe it's important we go back to Genesis and we know the history. Because if you didn't know this, God repeats a lot of his themes, a lot of his types throughout the Bible. And we're going to talk about types. And I believe you're going to be talking about types next week as well. So this, this chapter that we're in today, uh, really we need to talk about how we got here. And, and so last week we talked about, in, in Genesis 3, the fall of man, right? Entered, now sin entered the world and, and really ruined everything. And that wasn't God's doing. That was our doing, mankind's doing. But God is true to his word, true to his promise, and he doesn't give up on his children. So God, Jesus, had a redemptive plan for all of us. And in, Jesus, in Genesis 3.15, we get a glimpse of that salvific plan. It's right there, and we talked about that last week. But then we get the next, uh, what I would call the next rebellion. Really, there's, there's three rebellions that I see in the Bible. There's, there's the fall of man, Genesis 3. Then there's the, the incursion, Genesis 6-4. Don't worry, all you guys who know me. We're not going to stick on this for a long time. But this is where the, the apostate sons of God come down, take human wives, and they produce the Nephilim, right? 
So we have that incursion that happens. And, and then hundreds of years happen, and then the flood. And that's the third, the third one I want to talk about. And uh, if we can get some slides on the board, I believe I have some passages here for the, uh, the incursion. Genesis, yep, there we go. The incursion, Genesis 6-4. And there's your, there's your passage, so you know I'm just not making this up. I'm reading from the same Bible that sits, hopefully, not on your shelf collecting dust, but something that you grab every night and every morning uh, because we need to eat. We're more spiritual beings than we are physical. I wouldn't go a day without eating unless I'm fasting. But we shouldn't go a day without reading our word as well. So there's Genesis 6-4, the incursion. And then next we have the flood, Genesis 6-9. But then we have in Genesis 11, right here, we have the Tower of Babel. And we camp here for a minute. The Tower of Babel, there, this story really confused me as a young man growing up. Uh, I didn't understand what was going on. Why the confusion of language? What were they doing with this tower? Did they really think they would reach the heavens? And we're not going to get too deep into that. But I will say this. We know this for a fact. The Tower of Babel is an image, a picture of what we get when we pour into the flesh. When we feed the flesh. When we feed our pride. And we say, look at me. Look at what I can do. Because look what it says right there. Right in the middle it says, And let us make a name for ourselves. In this passage right here, what it's saying is, is mankind was making himself, really led by Nimrod, the the first antichrist. Um, What's going on here is he's saying, we don't need God. We can do this ourselves. I am the star of my own show, right? But that's everything. As I'm saying that, you already know that's not what we're called to be. We're called to be supporting roles, right? We're called to be supporting roles, a supporting character in God's story. Jesus is the star of the show of mankind and the star, and it should be the star of the show in our lives. And so this Genesis 11 is butted right up against Genesis 12, which is our passage. And if you don't believe, if, you, if you're having trouble piecing it together, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 32, and I believe we had that passage as well. That slide? Here we go. And so this really tells us, hey, these things are connected. These things are connected. We have Deuteronomy. That doesn't have... Let me see here. Let me turn to Deuteronomy myself and read it. Sword drill. All right, Deuteronomy 32, verse 8. It says, When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when He divided mankind... He fixed the borders of the people according to the number of the sons of God. Remember, we just talked about Genesis 6, the sons of God, the apostate sons of God. But now we have a different set of sons of God who God apportioned the the whole land. And, And in Genesis 10, we have the table of nations. And so what's listed in those table of nations is every nation that was known on the earth at that time. When the whoever wrote, which I believe was Moses, in fact, let's just say Jesus Jesus said it was Moses, so it was Moses. Um Wrote the, wrote the first five books of the Bible, they understood this theology. There it is. All right. But the Lord's portion, his people, Jacob, his allotted inheritance. See, in the table of nations in Genesis 10, every nation is listed except for Israel. Because what God was doing at Genesis 11, at the Tower of Babel, as he was saying, you guys, you want, you want yourselves, you want, you want to do things without me, without worshiping me, all right, I'll give it to you. I'll give you other gods. 
And don't hear me saying that, that I'm a polytheist. Not, not, not at all. What I'm saying is, is that there are lots of Elohim, the word Hebrew word for, for gods, but there is only one uncreated Elohim, one holy one. There's only one God. Hear you, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord your God is one. That is fact. There is only one uncreated God, but he created other sons of God. And so he allotted the nations to them after the Tower of Babel. That's what Deuteronomy 32 is telling us. He allotted the nations, but then right there at the end, he says, but the Lord's portion, right there in verse 9, his people, Jacob, his allotted heritage. And so that's where we're at today. We're going to talk about why, I'm, why I even brought up Genesis 11 and then why it's right next to Genesis 12. And so the title of today's passage or today's message is The Supporting Role. The supporting role. That's what we're called to, and that's what Abraham knew he was called to. He knew he wasn't the star of the show. But before we get in, let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. I feel your presence in this place, Lord, and I ask that you would speak to us, both collectively as a family and individually. Lord, you know the hurts of everybody in this room. You know the struggles of everybody in this room. Let us lay those aside for a moment so we can worship you with our minds. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I wanted to kind of intro our passage today with that because it's very important to understand as we're studying our Bibles, to understand the context. We can't just pick a chapter and say, oh, look at this. We need to look at what happened before and what happened after. And so as Moses was writing Genesis 11 and 12, I believe he purposely put them next to each other. What he's saying is, this is what man would do, like a peacock, like a rooster. Look at me, look at me. And this is how God does things. An elderly couple pulls them out of a land and tells them to go somewhere they don't know. Leave everything behind. Leave everything you once knew and trust in me. That's the way God operates. And he makes a nation out of that elderly couple. Only God can do it. It's a miracle. 75 years old, he gets called out. So open up your Bibles today to Genesis chapter 12. Again, let's participate. Even though you're not speaking right now, let's, let's not let this be uh, uh, like we're going to a movie theater. In fact, I would encourage you, if you've got a question, I'll even... Raise your hand. I'll answer it from here. Let's do it. Let's change the way we operate. Let's not, let's not have these, these lines in our church, in our gathering, that we must do it this way. Three songs in 30 minutes, and then let's allow the Holy Spirit to operate within our congregation. We need His Holy Spirit. We can't live without it, y'all. Otherwise, what's, what's it all worth? What, what are we doing? So let's, let's participate today. God bless. Love you, Lord. As we go through our Bible today, as we go through our message today, I have three points I want to bring up. The first is, it's very obvious in Genesis 12, that God intends for us, as he did for Abraham, to be set apart. Let's read it. Verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abraham, oh, sorry, Abram. He hadn't changed his name yet. Go from your country, your kindred, and your father's house to a land I will show you. God tells Abraham to leave everything he knew. Leave it all. Leave it all behind. At 75 years old, 
Leave everything you know. You've done, he, this is the land he, he was tilling or, or if he was farming, if he was, he knew what pastures to take his, his cattle to go graze on. This is the land he knew, but God said, no, that won't work. Because as I'm working through you, you will try to do things on your own, in your own way, the way you know things. Question is, what country? What country did he go to? Well, it, it later became the land of Israel. God didn't give him, notice God didn't give him for all you army guys in here, a, a ten-digit grid or even an eight-digit grid, much less a six-digit grid. He just said, go, I'll show you. And we know because Abraham obeyed, he responded to God's voice as we are to respond to God's voice. We know that the Lord revealed himself to Abraham in a miraculous way. In fact, if you look in the same, in the same passage, you look down at verse 7, it says, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said. You could skip over that many, many times. Maybe, probably somebody in here has skipped over that 20 times and never recognized. The Lord physically appeared before Abram. There's other places in the Bible where it says the Lord appeared or it gives him, a, it, it's, it, it hints to the fact that the Lord was physically manifested in front of the prophet or in front of the, the, the person he's calling out. So I believe the Lord physically appeared. Now, no wonder Abraham followed him. He got to see the Almighty, not in his full glory, because the Bible tells us they would perish, right? But God revealed himself to Abram, and then he said, you go, and I'll show. He said, you go, and I'll show. It had such an impact on him that he left everything that he knew. He didn't get an itinerary. Some of the details were missing. And in fact, all he knew was that he was supposed to go that direction, to the east. I'm sorry, to the west. What did Abraham do to deserve such a blessing? Was he, was he a, a mighty military man? Was he super, super strong or super intelligent? Did he have managerial skills that were just outrageous? What was it? Was his charisma? Was it God, was God chose him because of his charisma? No. None of those things. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it tells us. It tells us. What is it? It was his faith. It was faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed. That's all he had. That's all he had to hold on to. He left everything he knew behind. He held on to his faith. Why? Why does God do it this way? This is the way God operates, y'all. It's so Abram could not say, look at what I did. Because the moment we do that, the moment we say, look at what I did, even though God is pushing us and God is driving us, God's given us the vision, God's given us the resources to accomplish the task, and we say, look what I did. We just built our own Tower of Babel. Pretty scary stuff. But Abraham's faith, what was it based on? Like, Okay, I have faith, I believe, but what did he believe? Why did he believe? It was based on the character of God, his goodness, his faithfulness. He was set up in such a way that he could only claim to be a supporting role, a supporting character, as great as Abraham is. Like he, he is the, the father of a nation. Great man, revered by the Jewish people, revered by us. But it wasn't him, it was God that did it. He was just an instrument. He was just a supporting role. And Jesus echoes those same words to us. Those same words to us. Look at Luke 14, verse 33. 
says, so therefore, if any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. The call of Abraham was a shadow, a blueprint to the call of discipleship. God doesn't change the way he operates. He's changed the way he's revealed himself over time. But he doesn't change the way he operates. He always calls us out of what we knew. Those things that, that we were used to. The successes that we'd had in our past without the Lord. He's calling us out of those things. In Mark's gospel, Jesus says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The call to Christ, just as Abraham's call, is meant to be life-changing. It's meant to change every aspect. It must be a shift in every aspect of our lives. And so as I'm speaking this morning, I'm, I'm praying in my head right now that the Holy Spirit would convict us of what it is that we're still holding on to. What, what, are we, what have we not stepped out of yet? That doesn't, have to look like, be, that doesn't have to look sinful. That doesn't have to be a sinful thing. But God's calling us out of it. John 10, 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Jesus is calling each one of you in here. I know that because you're here. That's no mistake. God is calling us, and we hear his voice. Sometimes the world gets a little loud. It gets a little, it's like a lot of white noise out there, and we can just barely hear God. Is that because God's whispering? Or is that because I haven't let go of things? I haven't died to myself? Maybe he's calling me to draw near to him, and I need to deny my flesh. There's ways we can do that, y'all. Fasting is a great way to deny your flesh. And I'm not talking about not watching TV. I'm talking about denying the one thing we all love, the barbecue, (laughs) the fried chicken. God is calling us out of what we once knew. God's calling us to stop, stop putting faith in our flesh. This idea of, of, of building our own Tower of Babel in our lives. Look at me. Twitting out. Xing out. Facebooking out. Look at what I did. So let me just encourage you today. I mentioned those three social media things because I think it's, it's a dangerous trap. It's a, it's, a, it's a dangerous habit to get in. To say, look, look at me, look at me, look at me. As children of God, we should be saying, look at Jesus, look at Jesus, look at Jesus. He's the only hope. And everything that I've built on this world that is not of God, that God didn't put his hand to, it's going to burn up anyway. Wood, straw, and stubble. That's all it is. (sighs) So, this is why it's so important to remind ourselves, because we forget. I don't know, I forget a lot of things. I forget a lot. But we tend to forget in our mind what we're supposed to be focusing on, what we're supposed to be highlighting and spotlighting. This is why it's so important that we got to read our word daily to remind ourselves of God's testimonies by reading his word. Because we're called for better, for better things. Let me, let me encourage you this morning to meditate on the fact that if you call yourself a Christian today, God called you out. You didn't do that. God called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God called you out. 
It had to be that way. So you couldn't say, look, look how I saved myself from alcohol. Look how I saved myself from pornography. Look at the the steps I took to become a better person. Now that's anti-everything the world is telling us today, isn't it? Just do the, read this book and follow my steps and you'll be a productive, great person. So you can tell everybody how good you are on Facebook. That is the culture we live in today, y'all. And so let me encourage you today to meditate on God's testimonies. All right, verse 2. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Notice how Abraham is, or Abram at this point, is given the so what. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, this is why we're doing it. He's, he's telling him what to do, but he's also telling him what the end result will be. You will be a blessing. I will make your name great. I will make you a great nation. Good leaders tell those that they're leading the so what, the why of why we're doing it. And the so what of Israel, the children of Abraham, they were going to be a witnesses to the nations. They were meant to be the light to the world, to draw people back to God. Because Genesis 11 God divorced the nations. That's what he did. He said, fine, y'all want, y'all want yourselves? Y'all want to worship yourselves? I'll put you under other gods. I'll divide up the land, and I'll give the whole world over to yourself. Mankind can have it without me, devoid of God. Then he calls out this elderly couple. I just imagine, like, come on, Sarah. Let's go. God's calling us. I don't know. <laughs> they probably ate better back then, and they didn't walk like that, you know? Um, but God called them out regardless. It, it wasn't a young, strapping young man. It was an elderly couple. Why? Because only God can do it. And that brings me to my second point. Blessings only come from God alone. If we're talking about this thread idea, right, the thread of love is our idea, God is the only good stitcher. See, we, sometimes we try to throw in stitches in our own lives, right? We try to stitch it ourselves. I'm speaking in metaphor here. Right, but God is the only one that has good stitches, perfect stitches. It's a true blessing, right? Sometimes we, we th- see things that are blessings in our lives. We think they're blessings, but they're truly, they're, they're chains. They're things that chain us down. I think of retirement first and foremost. Not retirement like I am from the Army. That's, I'm still not retired. I'm working more than I ever did. I'm talking about those that would retire and, and move down to Florida and, and you know, go play golf every day. And that's how they spend their time. That's, that's, not, that's a chain. That's a prison. It's so much fun to get out there, y'all, and, and tell people about Jesus, to share the good news. I don't, know, I don't know what I would do without it. I need to know that. I need to work hand-in-hand hand with God. I need to, 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 make, to, to have communion with God and pray with people and pray for people. I, could, I can't imagine my life without doing that. I, I walk through my life and, and I, 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 when I'm on, I, I'm praying. I'm like, God, what do you have for that person? When I see them come across my, my, my field of view, God, what do you have for her? What do you have for him? Do you have a word for her? Do you have a word for him? That's how we're called to live our lives, eagerly waiting, anticipating God to speak to us, because he does. But sometimes the things of the world tend to drown it out. But only true blessings come from above. And in fact, James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, 
coming down from the Father of lights, I love that, from whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. The point is, is if, we, if we look at the blessings that humans give us, that mankind gives us, the world gives us, those, those things are not truly blessings. The truth is, is that humans are fickle, right? They're fickle. They change their minds. We tend to allow our own, own desires to overshadow the needs of others. We, we, our desire to, to be comfortable, our desire to get the best possible outcome for number one, right? And that's okay. The world will tell you that's okay. But it's not okay. That's anti-biblical. It's not what the, the Word of God says. In fact, in Philippians 2, 3 and 4, yeah, sword drill here, guys. I got all kinds of... <laughs> it says, do nothing, nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. It's not like do most things. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each one of you look not only to his own interest, but also the interests of others. Conversely, our God that we worship, he's never fickle. Not once. There's not one testimony of him in here being fickle. He's always had his children's Heart. He, he's, the story that we're reading today, the, 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 the whole message series that we're going through, is God's redemptive story to get us back to Him, despite us. Despite us. And God does it. God will have the victory. But I see that, let's look back at our uh, verse here in, in 12, in chapter 12 of Genesis. It says, And I will make your name great did you know that that that's almost the in in the the original language it's a very similar to the where i the chapter i introduced with in chapter 11 in chapter 11 in the tower of babel in verse 4 it says come let us build ourselves a city a tower with its top to the heavens and let us make our a name for ourselves see i I don't believe it's it's just coincidences that that these are put together juxtaposed these are right next to each other one is are you going to pour into the flesh and the other is are you going to allow god's spirit to lead you are you going to pour into the spirit which one are you going to feed the spirit or the flesh we don't want to end up with a tower babel in our lives what we want regardless of circumstances to know that i hear the voice of god i'm following god's voice I'm having communion with God. I'm having fellowship with God. Because there's nothing greater than having that. Just We just sing that. It's, it's going in my head right now. There's nothing greater than you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Verse 3. Verse 3. I will bless those who bless you. And in him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. My third point for today is, God does not make a mistake. Remember I said he was a good stitcher? Good seam, I don't want to call him a seamstress, because that doesn't seem right. A sewer? He doesn't make a mistake, not a single stitch. Not a single stitch. This is really the beginning of, of covenant. In verse 3 is, is covenant language. God will expound on this covenant later with Abraham and then confirm that covenant with Isaac, confirm that covenant with Jacob. 
He confirms that covenant with David. This is covenant language. And in our culture, we really don't have covenants like they did then. The covenant that he ends up making with Abram, then Abraham, God has to put Abraham to sleep so he can make the covenant. He divides up these animals. He walks between them himself. But Abraham's asleep the whole time. Think of that image. That's us too. If you're a follower of Jesus' day, you've, you have said yes to the covenant of grace. The covenant of grace that we all fall under. But there's no, we, we can't take any credit for that. God purposely did it that way. Because he knows us. He knows our human sinful nature that we would start building our own tower. Our tower of Babel. It's very clear covenant language. What, what he's saying is, in, in layman's terms, Abraham's my guy. This is going to be my guy. And his children, and their children, and their children, and their children. Did you know that we're sons and daughters of Abraham? That's what Romans tells us. We've been grafted in. Father Abraham. No, I won't do it. <laughs> but through the obedience and the plans that have been set in motion, the, 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 key, the key part of this verse is it says, and I will, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, how is that possible? It says all. It says all the families. I'm tempted to raise, you know, say, raise your hand. How did God bless all the families of the earth? How did he do it? Jesus. That's right. Jesus. It's the only possible way. It's, it's salvation to all who would receive it. It's a free gift. You don't have to earn it. It's a free gift. So God's word is true. But my question is, can you, and I'm going to jump off ship a little bit here, but can one sharing in the blessing also be sharing in the curse? Can we, can we be faulty in our theology, in our blessing? We were receiving the blessing from Abraham and his children, but we're also falling under the curse that's listed here. Well, guess what? I'm looking at the clock, and we don't have time to, uh, to, to cover all that. But I would tell you, if, you're, if your support for Israel, the nation of Israel, is based on, I don't want to be cursed, then you, you're, you're, you've got too many, you've got holes in your theology. It, there's more to the Bible that t- tells us that God is not done with Israel than just this verse. It's, it's littered throughout the Old Testament. And in fact, in the New Testament, in Romans, chapter 9, chapter 11, God tells us he's not done with Israel yet. God doesn't give up on his children. God doesn't ever, ever break his promises. The Bible is definitely stitched with the story of God restoring Israel. Jesus doesn't come back and land in New York City. He doesn't doesn't walk up to the White House and say, I'm here. Jesus steps down in the land that we now call Israel. That's where the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Messiah of Messiahs, the Anointed One of Anointed Ones, the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace, that's where he's coming back. He's, got, he's not done with their story yet. And so, if I can, just for a little bit, might be a little off text, let me just say, that particular people group tends to find themselves in trouble in our history, right? History repeats itself. We have two examples of, of, of genocide, of, of children being murdered 
in our biblical text. It wasn't the nation of America. It wasn't the nation of Babylon. It was the nation of Israel. In our own history that we know, that we learn about, we have the Holocaust. And now we have Hamas. And I believe Hamas, I, I, I see the story of Esther coming alive in Hamas, right? The tunnels that they used to attempt to destroy Israel are now being flooded to destroy them. Just like in, in, in Esther where Haman built the, the gallows or whatever that instrument of, of murder was, he himself hung or died by that instrument. All right, let's go down to verse 4. My point is, is the nation of Israel, which birthed our Messiah, who we base our whole life on, allowed for all who hear the voice of God to be stitched to him through the nation of Israel. It was only possible. This is God's story. We're getting a broad overview of, of God's redemptive story. So we should pray for the peace of Israel. That's, that's my whole point about talking about Israel. We should pray for their peace. They're not perfect. They're human. Their government is ran by a bunch of humans. But let's pray for the peace of them and let's make sure that we're on the right side of that argument because it's not just a political thing. In fact, it's not political. It's biblical. God tells us he will bless those who bless them, curse those who curse them. And he actually tells us to give financially, to give our, 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 our possessions to bless them. But in verse 4, So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Now, in this verse, we see that Abraham actually was a really wise person. He had some high intellect. Anybody see it? You put that verse back up there, verse 4? It says right there he knew a lot. Sorry. Bad joke. Ha, 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 ha. <clears throat> the point is, 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 as we look at these two stories right next to each other, You've got the Tower of Babel, and then you've got the call of Abram. The lowliest of lowlies, an elderly couple, and God's going to make a great nation. I would say a nation that has the, the greatest blessing bestowed upon them than any other nation in history. It was the nation that our Messiah came through, right? But on the other side, you have the Tower of Babel. My encouragement to you today is, is stop building that tower. Break it down. Stop telling everybody about how cool you are, how good you are, how smart you are, how rich you are, whatever that be. Start telling everybody about Jesus. Let's, let's let every aspect of our lives glorify the Lord. You know, time is something that we, we don't have any control over. You know, we, this is thousands of years in the making. I love that. But the enemy would have us believe that we have all the time in the world. I don't believe that. Don't go to sleep. Pay attention to what's going on in the world and pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for each other. Continue to gather together. Continue to ask the Lord, what do you want me to get out of my life? Where am I building my own tower? Remember, God has called us out to be separate from the world. He doesn't make any mistakes and He never throws away His children. joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.